Hey everyone, welcome to Japan 2.0. It's a bit of a unique episode for us. Uh, I'm actually waiting to meet up with Matt near his new neighborhood in Osaka. It's about a year old, but because of coronavirus, uh, we, we haven't really met up. So this is actually my second time meeting up in this area. Uh, I don't know if Matt's publicly disclosed where he lives, so I, I don't want to in case, but uh, it's an area in Osaka, and it's, it feels so awesome to be here. But um, I probably had the worst week in my life in Japan, um, unrelated to work or anything. You know, I've had, sometimes work controls your life, and I've had bad work weeks. But I would say living in Japan-wise, uh, this is definitely takes the cake for a worst week I've had. And that was because about four days ago, I was uh, robbed. <laughs> yeah, um, someone broke into my house. So I'm gonna kind of tell that story completely, how it kind of happened and what's been going on since. I don't really have any point of relevancy to compare it to, because it is my first time being robbed. I've had a bicycle stolen before in the US, but uh, this kind of robbery, I guess, was um, burglary. Someone broke into my house and stole some things. So, uh, this all kind of started, I actually still don't know exactly when it happened, which is one of the creepier parts. Um, we've been doing a camping series. We still haven't recorded the part two to that, by the way, but we're going to, because I wanted to get a couple of experiences in. So it was my second time camping. A little bit of a preview there, but basically my experience so far has been it's heaven by day, but hell by night. And you'll have to listen to find out what I mean by that. But. I was going on very little sleep, two hours of sleep. We come home on a, on a Sunday, had a pretty normal day, lots of just cleaning and chores and things to do, nothing unusual. The next morning was um, an open house at my school, and that means that basically any, anyone, any family member can kind of come into the school and walk in and out of your classes. So it's a little more of a formal day, you gotta really be on your, your A game. And uh, you know, we typically would dress a little nicer in that day too. So I assume, I didn't ask, but my wife uh, was going to like put on like her nicer jewelry to look good that day. And she went to get her wedding ring and couldn't find it. And came to me in kind of a panicked state. And I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. We have a six-year-old child. And so we asked our six-year-old child, hey, were you messing around with mom's jewelry? And he said no. He really you know, seemed pretty adamant. So that, that was definitely weird. But frankly, uh, we lose things a lot in our house. And then the situation kind of escalated when I was like in the other room getting ready and my wife like realized that uh, her purses and bags, a lot of them were missing. Uh, you can probably see where this is going, uh, particularly the ones like brand named type things. And yeah, I mean, frankly, we feel so incredibly safe here and so comfortable here. Um, even as we were going through her room and realizing things were missing, we still kind of couldn't face the reality that we probably had been robbed. We kept thinking, like, well, how, where would they go? Like, who, who came here? And I will say, full disclosure, that uh, previously, definitely previously now, uh, we didn't lock the doors to our house often. So I might go out to work for eight hours and leave the doors unlocked. So you can judge judge me for that all you want. I don't know. I, I know a handful of people here who do the same thing, but I also know probably 50, more than 50% of people have you know, told me, ah, it's not, not a great idea. 
to do that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I had to go to work. Uh, my wife ended up staying home. You know, wedding ring was a pretty sentimental item. And definitely she was very distraught about that. Um, I personally was definitely more distraught about the idea of, like, when did this happen? Were we home? Like, was it that day we were camping? What if it wasn't? Like, and some of the really, really unusual things we kind of slowly uncovered, right? You don't quite realize what all has happened. It's it's a very slow unpacking. You're, You're looking through your house. Um, but... My wife had like uh, kind of boxes that her nicer bags or things that are called dust bags. Basically, it's a, it's a cheaper bag for your nice bag so it doesn't get dusty. Um, the, the person who stole had taken things like shoes or heavier items, cheaper items that they didn't want to steal, and put them inside those, those bags and boxes. And we couldn't, again, now you know, I've had a, kind of a couple of days to think about it, but we're just like, why, why would they do that? Or we had like a, a kind of a big duffel bag, a brand, like a nice, you know, brand name bag. And we just kept our towels in it because in Japan, every space, you know, needs to be used. You don't, you don't have big houses here. So we keep our clean towels in there. And uh, they put those back in, in a closet. So like they took it out of that closet and they put it in another closet uh, kind of tracing their steps we just couldn't really figure out what that meant like does that mean they're going to come back for more and they didn't want us to know that they were there and they're hoping to come back in a few days um, or does that mean they wanted to buy time for themselves so that um, we wouldn't call the police and they could kind of get away more we, we wouldn't notice right if you were to pick up the box and it would feel weighted but I felt like if you're stealing, you don't know at what point the people are coming home or if the cops are coming. That To take that time to put those items back or to put a shoe, which you found deep inside another closet, in another bag, I don't know, the, the logic, you know, even four or five days in now, I, I'm really having a hard time fathoming what was going on. Also, another really interesting point about it is my wife's room is like um, upstairs, kind of in the back corner of the house. And this person had to pass by iPads, laptops that were just sitting around, you know, nice laptops, you know, like newer Apple laptops. Uh, There was another wallet that wasn't like a brand name wallet full of cash, like a lot of cash in Japan, you know, people still keep a lot of cash, we do too. And those things weren't taken. I kind of felt like they had taken out the house before or like known to go into those places because... I don't know much about robbery, but I would imagine you'd generally hit the places closest to the exits. And the place that was hit the hardest, or really the only place that was hit, was like the deepest up into the house. Um, So, yeah, it kind of starts to do all these weird things in your mind of like, I guess we've been studied. Like, someone has been watching us and studying us. They knew if it was that uh, Saturday night we were gone camping, they knew, and it seems like they kind of took their time because it was a very clean job we didn't even notice for 24 hours most likely again this could have been a night when we were home or something which is even creepier to think about um yeah so so many things running through your mind um so anyway i went to work but i'm basically from here gonna kind of say like what my wife has told me um which is yeah police came over they stayed for sounds like about two hours two and a half hours maybe and they asked all the basic questions that I think you'd kind of get anywhere in the world. 
um, detailed the items and you know when it happened. Nothing, nothing too exciting there. But one of the interesting things was like the first thing they did was they took um, shoe prints of the house. But in Japan, uh, you know, you take off your shoes in the Genkan when you come in. So I don't know what a robber would do if they take off their shoes or keep them on. Again, this felt very meticulous and a bit methodical. Um, but even still, there are so many shoes, and I don't know. That, that, that was an interesting thing, like how you're going to trace someone down. So, okay, you wear a Converse size 7, like... Uh, so what? <laughs> Do you have a database of all the shoes people wear? I don't really know. Uh, they did, did, did fingerprints as well. And, again, I have very little knowledge in this. I'm not really into crime shows or anything like that. But, like, I think you'd have to be a criminal already, I guess, to have, like, your fingerprints in a database. I do know as like a foreigner living in Japan, when you come into the country for the first time and get like your visa, they do fingerprint you at the airport, like a digital fingerprint. Uh, so I, I guess foreigners would, but I don't think the average person living here, most people have their fingerprints on database. I don't know. Maybe if you know, you can let, let me know. But I kind of feel like that's going to be a, a quick dead end. And also unusual was like some of the places that felt really obvious, like this would be a great place to get a fingerprint. For example, like a handle on a door that we know they took a bag from this door. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, like that one's not good or we can't really get it there. And they were kind of just taking them in more random places that we wouldn't really know if the person touched or not. Since the, the bags are just like um, on a, okay, if you know what an Ikea collapse is, they're stored in an Ikea collapse, like a, yeah, just on a shelf. No door or anything needed to be open. So yeah, that was a little, a little unusual. Anyway, kind of long story short, the only hope seems to be there's like a uh, dormitory across the street from us. And that dormitory did have a security camera. We, we don't have any kind of security cameras. Again, I felt very safe here. And um, they're gonna check those, like the, the footage there. And it does show kind of the front of our house. So the person was, was uh, not smart enough to come to the front of our house, then that'll be that. Anyway, Matt's here. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. This is part two of this episode. I kind of wanted to give a follow-up and some kind of commentary. I, like I said, I'd recorded that within the week of being robbed. And it is now um, mid-January, so almost two months later. And quick spoiler alert, uh, I didn't catch the robber. Uh, so not, nothing has really come of this, which is kind of why I didn't do an immediate update. I guess I was kind of holding out for some good news to hopefully celebrate on the podcast. Um, but I'll kind of lead you through um, what had happened after I recorded that and hung out with Matt that night and dropped the news on him. Um, and then kind of my thoughts and feelings and how the overall events kind of impacted me. So about two, three weeks later um, was kind of the next event after we were robbed. Uh, like I mentioned there at the end, um, there's a dormitory that had a camera, but um it really was taking them a long time to analyze that data. And we were pretty curious about that because, well, frankly, we started to kind of feel that not much was going to happen. There wasn't really going to be a lot of follow through based on um, a lot of accounts we heard from friends. 
And also with those conversations through friends, I was really surprised to find that almost everyone who's lived here for at least 10 years or more knows someone who's been robbed. I only, maybe about 5% of the people I talked to actually had been robbed themselves, um, where 95%, almost everyone else, if they hadn't been robbed themselves on this similar kind of level, you know, their, their grandma had or their friend's friend had. So everyone kind of had a story. I do wish I had those conversations, you know, at least a year ago, uh, if not a long time ago, because it probably would have got me to change my actions. I didn't realize that these kind of um, nonviolent um, rob, rob, robbings happen so often. Um, so that, that's interesting to note. And through those stories, like no one caught the robbers. So we started to kind of lose a lot of hope quickly as we talked to people. And I wish I knew more about the criminal system here to kind of tell you more about that. But um, yeah, we were really hoping to hear back from that camera footage because we thought it would kind of be a test of how detailed they are looking at this data because uh, my sister-in-law had actually come to the house somewhere in those 24 hours we were, we were gone camping. And we wanted we're kind of, kind of use that as a litmus test is be like, oh yeah, actually someone came into your house and we're gonna say, oh yeah, no, that was our sister. But they never even said that and she went right through the front door. So it didn't seem like they looked at that footage, that detail. And it would have been, I wish so much that we could get that footage and look at it ourselves. So that's fairly frustrating. Uh, to add to the frustration, about uh, yeah, two weeks later, maybe, after the, the rob- robbing occurred, uh, the police said, we think we maybe found something a couple of subway stations over. There's a secondhand shop, and we saw some jewelry, jewelry that matched your wife's rings. We thought, oh, great, and we're kind of getting our hopes up, you know. And anyway, my, my wife uh, gets a coworker to drive us all the way out there to go see it at the local Koban police station. And just straight away, it just wasn't even similar at all to the description or the drawing my wife made. I think she even said one, like hers was silver and this was, was gold. <laughs> like even, you know, the, the main material of the ring didn't even match. Um, so that, you know, kind of really got our hopes up. And I think after that, we frankly kind of just gave up all hope and yeah, there's been no, no real, you know, big news in in that category, sadly to report. Um, we did file like an insurance claim. Um, it was a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff and it's been kind of slow going there to find out if we're actually going to get that back or not. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully, fingers crossed, but it's it's taking a while, and again, it's kind of easy to lose hope. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, I will say, if you've never been robbed before, I'm sure this isn't unique to Japan, but it really makes you, I don't know, think negatively um, about things. Like, again, this one felt, felt so specific and so studied. You start to doubt people around you, you know, your, your friends and, and coworkers, which isn't a good thing. I mean, you don't... I never acted or said anything. And now, you know, I don't believe it is anyone, but there are these moments like it crosses your mind, like so-and-so was over last week and they did go up to that room. And it's such a horrible, horrible way to think. And uh, it really took me about, I actually, I I can't believe, like I said, it's only two months. It feels like that was a year ago, (laughs) to be honest. And it took me, I'd say, a good month to even feel safe in my house again. Yeah, we have we have cameras now, you know, recording and all that. But, um, yeah, like my son just being in the other room or something if I was upstairs for a while. Um, and I don't know. 
how long it's going to take to fully, fully feel like it's fully safe in the same house anymore. And that's such a uh, sad feeling. Um, I think if it was easier to, to move, then I might even, because I don't know if I'll ever feel safe here again. Um, just kind of knowing that someone out there uh, knows your house so well, you know, and they've come in and they studied it. And if they wanted to, they could come back and get away with it again. Uh, it's a pretty horrible feeling that I hope you never have to feel. Uh, so to kind of get to the Japan side of things, like the point of this, this podcast, right, is, you know, I'm definitely the kind of person that idealized Japan maybe a little too much, um, maybe, maybe more than a little too much, maybe a lot. Um, and the longer and longer I live here, you know, I'm going on nine years now, it's kind of coming to terms with that. And I think this event, you know, I'm always trying to look for the silver lining. I think this event of, you know, getting robbed kind of helped me get to that conclusion faster than I might have of nine years isn't fast, but uh, mostly my experiences here have been so great. And when I hear people who don't have good experiences here, I think I'm quick to write them off, you know, but this is kind of a good reminder to me that, well, you can get unlucky in Japan, just like you can get unlucky everywhere. And some people maybe get unlucky a lot in a year or two here and they think, Hey, you know what? This place isn't, isn't that great. I'm Japan's not for me. And, um, you know, maybe to some degree, luck does play a bit of a part in your experience in a country. Um, I don't know. I think uh, it's like a gripe I had a lot about some of my favorite uh, Japanese authors. Um, David Marks is one we've gone on record. And these are people I really, really like. But I have kind of noticed a trend of people who lived in Japan for a long time, who studied Japan, that there's a bit of this Japan isn't what it used to be or, you know, I feel really lucky I was here in the glory days, the 80s bubble, the 90s kind of culture boom, but, you know, it's never going to be that great again. And um, I'm actually reading this book right now called Lost Japan. It's kind of one of the classics if you're, you know, Japanophile or non-Japanese speaker studying Japan. Uh, it's by Alex Kerr. And he has that kind of vibe too of like, you know, I was out here in the 70s and nature was so beautiful and all modernizations kind of killed that. And I, you know, I'll go back to these places in Shikoku and they're just not what they once were. And the beautiful, magical fog, literal fog this guy was talking about is now no longer there because of deforestation. And I don't know, I think for me, it kind of takes away a bit of, are, I feel like they're trying to like take away like my great experiences. Like I go to Shikoku and I fell in love with that place and just last year, 2021, and I thought it was totally magical and beautiful. And I don't know for these people to think that uh, just because maybe it isn't quite as good to a new, I think fairly nuanced level. Of course, there's there's different topics. I don't know. I've always kind of had a gripe with that, or it kind of comes across as a little bit pretentious to me. And I'm very aware of that in myself. And I do sometimes find myself falling into that. And I guess I try not to speak out on it because I, I know how much I didn't like it when I, especially when I wasn't living here. Um, but I don't know, this event kind of makes me feel like, is Japan as safe as it used to be? You know, um, and a bit of, you know, that kind of glow of this place that I love and feels, you know, the, you know, the best place in the world, the place I want to live. It does have big flaws and I don't know, it's kind of taking a big hit on me and I think it's part of the reason it's taking a while for us to record again 
um, after those camping episodes. Obviously, Matt and uh, that short episode we released about a month ago shared, you know, the biggest reason why it's um, taken us a while to put out some episodes. But even for me, um, you know, as we do try to show kind of the positive sides of Japan and why Japan is such an interesting, unique, you know, cool place. Um, when sometimes really bad things happen, it is harder to see the optimistic uh, side of things. So, uh, yeah, this this kind of event of getting robbed and viewing Japan as this like magical, you know, safe place. Well, of course, I knew that's impossible. You know, nowhere is perfect. Um, you know, having this firsthand event definitely makes me a little more <laughs> pessimistic about things. Um, so yeah, obviously it's it's been a while since this happened. So I, I I'm definitely ready to come back and you know podcast again and i got a lot of topics i want to talk about but uh yeah now it's just a matter of um getting together with matt and making it happen but yeah so getting robbed in japan uh i don't know i've never really heard or read much about it uh before my own instance of it so hopefully you can learn from what happened to me I'm not going to 